Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. Meditating over today's passage, I was reminded of a worship song uh, from the 90s. It was quite a while, 20 years ago, um, from Hillsong, and the title is This Is How We Overcome. I don't know if you recognize it, but most people know it by the chorus lyrics, which is, um, you have turned my morning into dancing. And there's actually a motion that goes with it, and I'm glad I'm sitting down so I don't have to actually dance it, but um, you have turn, and people would actually, you know, turn on the spot, turn my morning into dancing, right? And it's a fun song, and if I think about it, I think it'd be a great children's uh, song with those motions. But, you know, I was kind of reminded of that. And there are many other songs uh, with this kind of lyric, morning into dancing, into dancing. And most of these songs focus on the dancing, right? The joy uh, after the morning. And um, we always focus on that joy or receiving or ending with the joy, which I think can be a bit of a misunderstanding of the morning portion of it. So let's read the passage and then we'll continue. John chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then, after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And, Because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. A couple of weeks ago at Onuri Church, we had the privilege uh, of hosting Pastor Artie Kendall, uh, who was a pastor at Westminster Chapel, um, after uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. And, uh, you know, I wrote, I took down so many notes uh, and quotes from him, and a huge one um, that I wrote down was actually not his own, uh, but he passed on something that he heard from his mother, who heard it from her mentor. And this is a 90-year-old woman, uh, a mentor to Pastor Artie Kendall's mom. And she said, I have been serving the Lord so long. This is 90 years old, remember? I have been serving the Lord so long, that now I can barely tell the difference between a trial and a blessing. 
I can barely tell the difference between a trial and a blessing. You've got to kind of think about this for a while, but it implies that both are from God. Right? Both are from God. And the blessing, this is easy, right? We start with the presence of God. Right? And this is, I think, the true blessing. But it, it can go all the way to the material possessions and things as well. And then trials. What are trials? Firstly, trials test for faith, right? And which means uh, test. So it's not easy. Then, it's, then otherwise it wouldn't be a test. It's a type, type of adversity. It's an ordeal, right? They are difficult, bad, suffering and quite possibly uh, can lead to circumstances that lead to mourning, that should be mourned. And Jesus says uh, that his disciples will grieve and mourn, and then, so then after, experience joy. And you see this in verses 16, 20, and then 22. You've got, you've got to read that all together. So I want you to read the passage again, but especially those three verses, 16, 20, and 22, and think about what was Jesus talking about. Right? That the disciples, his disciples, will mourn, then experience joy. What does he think about? Maybe even pause the video now and just make a mental note or even write down in your book, what is Jesus talking about? Right? Welcome back. Well, the easiest way to understand and interpret this, I think, firstly, mourn, the, his disciples will mourn when Jesus is crucified and he dies. Right? And I think this is generally the, the correct thinking and the straightforward uh, interpretation. But then, when will they rejoice? Right? Jesus says, when I will see you again. Now, and this is generally taken to mean the return of Christ, as in his second coming, also known as the end of the world. So, his disciples, we, start mourning 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. And we don't get to rejoice until the end of the world, right? And we don't know when that is going to be. Sounds a little depressing, doesn't it? You know, you're going to mourn and, you know, the world is going to be happy and be joyful, but you're going to mourn. But you'll be, you know, experience joy when I come back. And we don't know when. It's been 2,000 years. It almost sounds a little bit depressing. And isn't it interesting that mourning, and by extension, suffering, as Jesus used the illustration of the suffering of childbirth, is confirmed by Jesus. You know, as in, you know, he doesn't de deny it or he doesn't promise against it. Jesus tells us that we will mourn, we will suffer in our life on this, you know, on this earth, in this world. You know, have you heard some people say, I was happier um, before I was a Christian? Now, some of it, some of this statement might come from a misunderstanding or a confusion. Um, you may have uh, said it, thought it yourself, but there is actually deep truth in this. Most um, believers will talk about the difference between happiness, you know, which is temporary, and joy, which is eternal. Now, but also, non-believers, you know, they, their lives, their entire lives are all about making this life happy, right? Um, it's about... Uh, eliminating grief, it's about getting rid of mourning, not mourning, not suffering, and not experiencing hardship. Their life is all about the pursuit of happiness, because they don't know any better. Which reminded me of the movie Pursuit of Happiness, you know, starring Will Smith and his, his own son. Now, this is based on a true story of a man uh, named Chris Gardner. Right now, um, I don't know if you've 
seen it. It's actually quite a good, powerful movie. I love movies that are based on true stories. Um, mo most of the time, almost all the time, it has way better story than a lot of other movies. But um, basically, he goes, he's a single dad with his son going through all this hardship, poverty, suffering. Uh, but then in the end, he passes an exam and he's hired into this huge finance firm, later starts his own company, becomes a billion, a billionaire. Most people see that part when he becomes a billionaire, or at least when he gets hired by that company as ah, he has achieved happiness. And that is the general understanding, right? Uh, that there was no uh, happiness in the pursuit. What I am saying is that believers who know that there is a heaven and a hell and what, it truly, what they truly are, understand the mysterious purpose of suffering, trials, and mourning. When we know where we are going, where we will end up, and you know, how awesome it is, you know, how we get there doesn't matter. Right? If Chris Gardner, in all his you know, sad and, you know, sadness and depression and suffering, if he knew that he was going to be a billionaire in just like two, three years, all that hardship, you know, he would have been happy about it most probably, right? If he knew. Brothers and sisters, any mourning that we do now, any trials that we go through, any suffering that we face now will all be worth it when we see Jesus but it does depend on how we do it, how we go through it, because it is a test of our faith. James, James chapter one, uh, verses two to four says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Brothers and sisters, we all uh, face various trials, suffering, reasons for mourning, but at those times, right now, even as you go through them, let's look to Jesus. And this is an opportunity for our faith to be built up, for our faith to be made stronger and refined so that we know the purpose, so that we can keep looking to Jesus, looking to God, because we know where we are going and it is absolutely awesome and it is totally worth it. Let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you for the hope that we have in you, uh, the hope of eternal life, Lord. Uh, we have that as a guarantee. We have that as a real thing for us to look forward to, Lord. It is not just an idea, just a promise, but it is an absolute real promise. And everything that we go through now, Lord, uh, we don't want to deny it. We don't want to diminish it, Lord. We want to go through everything persevere through all things, experience and go through, do all things through Christ, your Son, who strengthens us, who is in us. May our faith be built up even as we mourn. May our faith be built up as we are tested and even as we suffer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching a world and stepping in closer, see you.